Hello and welcome to The Frontline, a podcast from ILGA Europe. We represent and work on behalf of over 600 LGBTI activist organizations across Europe and Central Asia. And our podcast aims to bring you to the front lines of queer activism in the regions. I'm your host, Belinda Deer, and this is the fifth and final episode in our mini-series on rainbow family rights in 2021 during which we're looking at the issues affecting LGBTI parents and their children across Europe. Today, my colleague, ILGA Europe's Advocacy Director, Katrin Hugendubel, will be exploring the issues that are coming down the line in terms of rainbow family rights, with Bjorn Sieverding from the Network of European LGBTIQ Families. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to Katrin. So hello and welcome to the front line, Bjorn. Very nice to to speak with you today. First of all, could you tell our lit- listeners a little bit about Nelfa and why you, a busy father of two with a job, is active in Nelfa as a volunteer? Yes, Nelfa is the network of European LGBTIQ families associations seated in Brussels and existing since around 11, 12 years as a little group at the beginning and um, yes registered as NGO since uh, 2012 in Belgium and uh, always growing and we have actually around uh, yes 42 organizations within the network and they represent 33 countries within the European uh, framework and approximately 20,000 members are involved in organizations that are in NELFA, organized in NELFA. So um, a quite big group, but we are only working on a voluntary basis. We have a board of uh, 11, 12 members now. So it's uh, still on a very weak level to do something. Um, Yes, because... uh, well, we don't have staff, we don't have uh, the means really to do very big efforts. So it's uh, still on a lower level. But I mean, looking across Europe, there is a, a big motivation for you and others to actually engage in Alpha because there are problems that rainbow families are facing. So what are the main, I, I think, legal problems um, you see rainbow families still facing today in Europe? And, and what does that mean for their day-to-day lives? This is something I didn't realize uh, at the beginning so much because my rainbow families with my foster kids, we are quite um, safe yes, in our situation. We, um, our kids are born in, in Germany and we moved for a certain time to Brussels. So there were these two big bubbles, Berlin, Brussels, yes, international life, people who are, yes, in a certain sense, they know a little bit more about LGBTIQ issues and Rainbow Families was, yes, that was not the the big issue in general. So we never faced problems. Uh, But I realized when we moved that so many rainbow families across Europe have still a lot of problems by moving. But the reason for these problems are national provisions. And uh, one of them is, of course, the legal tie between children and their parents. And this is, I think, still one of the most uh, important uh, things that has to be provided that children have um their parents and they're legally connected to each other and 
for example, when we take the the uh, European Union, there are still 10 countries without any recognition of children and non-biological parents' connections. So this is, for me, one of the most uh, impressive uh, points here. Um, you mentioned um, foster rights there, and I think very closely linked to that are adoption rights, obviously. And I just um, it struck me recently, I read an article in a German weekly newspaper about the situation on the violation of LGBTI rights in, in Hungary and kind of the upcoming restrictions on adoption rights there without mentioning for a moment that same-sex couples also in Germany don't have adoption rights. So are we being deceived by thinking there are a few countries in Europe where things are fine and others where there are the real problems? Um, do we need to take a closer look at what the problems are um, actually in every country in Europe still? Yes, I think you're right, yes. But I think there are two different points of views. Uh, the one is possibly more inexperience with rainbow families perhaps ignorance. And I feel that there are a lot of countries within uh, the European framework um, who are already quite progressive in LGBTI rights in general, but also uh, in uh, recognizing rainbow families, that there are more and more achievements and shifts to a better recognition. And also, yes, so I understand in a certain sense that um, Uh, policymakers, that uh, legislators still need some time to do and to understand what are the problems and to provide for more rights. But I see also, and this is perhaps also the, the difference between countries like Germany and Hungary, that uh, behind the curtain there's so much homophobia, invisible homophobia, and a, a very bad public opinion about LGBTIQ people and gay parenting or LGBTIQ parenting, that there is still a real gap between the Western world, I would say, and also the Eastern or Southeastern world. So, of course, you're right, uh, in nearly every country, we have gaps and we have a lack of legislation for certain issues. But we, in my opinion, we are quite far away from um, the right recognition in countries like Poland or Hungary or Bulgaria, where there is not only the inexperience and the ignorance, but there is also really hate on hate crime uh, uh, in, in this area. Yeah. And... I think maybe shifting a little bit to the to the positive, we've seen countries actually taking positive steps, especially on on second parent recognition. And and could you could you tell us a little bit from the lived experience of of families why that is so important and what's what's the actual the the, the process and the hardship families have to go through if that's not provided by the state? Yeah, I think we have actually. Uh, at least in the European Union, 11 countries that provide for a recognition of the legal ties between children and their, both of their parents, or even more, but no, both of their parents, through uh, an automatic co-parent recognition. Uh, for example, through a marital presumption that if you are married, you are at the end also legal parent to your child, or the second step is mostly through assisted reproductive techniques that you have your treatment in a clinic and then both of uh, the parents uh, can be, uh, yes, parents from the beginning. Um, so um, 
And this is, of course, for the children, a very important issue that you are protected from the beginning of your life. And there are several countries, for example, like Germany still, where um, you have the possibility to um, get through stepchild adoption the same result, but after a long time. Yes, you need one, one and a half, two years to achieve this legal status for non-biological parents to be recognized as parents. That means, for example, in a very um, important time at the beginning when you have the baby that you can't um, um, get, uh, for example, parental leave. But of course, for the young family, it's so necessary to, to get these rights from the beginning and also for the child to be protected in cases of death of one of the partners or uh, in case of a severe illness. And this is why we think that the automatic or direct recognition of rainbow families is so important. And we have more and more countries that provide for this. And uh, we know actually we have these discussions in in France, for example, yes, with the openness of uh, assisted reproductive techniques. Here is uh, the question also to have these direct rights. In Ireland, it was last year, uh, at least for a certain uh, um, amount of rainbow families that this was opened, and actually in Germany. So we have already these shifts, but still, unfortunately, a lot of countries that don't think even of stepchild adoption. Yes, So we have still a lot of countries uh, that don't provide for anything. So many points. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll come back to the to the artificial reproduction in a, in a second. Just staying with the, the the important points you pointed out on automatic parent recognition, and I think already the term stepchild adoption shows again the stigmatization It's in true. the process. And I think um, it'd be nice to hear a little bit more about what that means and if there have been good practices as well across Europe to actually work against the stigmatization of same-sex parents and, and rainbow families that you see in your work and in your experience with families across Europe. Yes, when it comes to the legal recognition, for example, um, through, yes, when when it comes to assisted reproductive techniques, uh, special treatment in clinics, then the approach is good if you see that the protection of the, of the child is the most important perspective. So, and I see a lot of countries in meanwhile that take care of this approach. This is, for example, yes, the Netherlands, of course, once again, the example of the Netherlands, uh, um, where it is relatively easy to acknowledge that you are the parent of the child. So, And there are other countries uh, where this is at least discussed, like in Ireland. Yes, we have still a lot of problems here, for example, for those who have their medical treatment abroad, that they are not recognized. Um, and uh, when they use a specific form of clinical treatment, then this is also not possible to uh, get this um, approval of recognition. Um, so whenever there is the approach that we must help families to get their rights, then this is already very good. But if you have all these additional problems, yes, 
again, I take Germany as an example where there is still this slight feeling that politicians discuss this issue with a gut feeling. Yes, I don't know if it's really good for the children to have two parents of the same sex. So we would like to avoid that we have too many rights. This is not the question. Rainbow families exist if you want it or not. And uh, the approach is to help those. Yes, it's a very pragmatic approach to help these people and to help the children to live as good as others. And it's not only an issue of equality. It's uh, about adequacy, yes, to have good rights. And uh, this is something, of course, mostly for progressive governments and perhaps also for countries uh, like Denmark. It's also an example where you feel there is a very very good approach to help these families, to help all families to be protected. Just for our maybe non-German uh, listeners, I think this <laughs> yeah. gut feeling is very famous, um, a very famous quote from, from Chancellor Merkel yes, it's true. Um, speaking out, I think, on, on marriage equality, but also on, on parenting rights um, of LGBTI people. But do you see that enough is done against that gut feeling? So I think it's also then if we look at, you know, at some point these children enter kindergarten, they enter schools. Um, how do you feel... Um, the approaches taken are there. Do we see inclusive curricula, inclusive policies that actually make your kids feel fully represented in the classroom, respected for who they are? Um, this is, again, a question of inexperience and or, on the other hand, the, the, the position that people want to help. And what I always experience is that people are not really aware of what they expect when a rainbow family comes. But there, in my life, it was always so, and also with my children, that there were always people who would like to do everything that our, yeah, our children feel comfortable in school or in daycare or wherever. So, um, but I would say again, yes, I live now in Belgium and also in Germany, so I, I can tell a little bit more about these countries and my experiences there. Um, of course, they do not enough. In school of my, my uh, older son, who is now nine years old, it was never the question. So about, yes, what is his family? What is it about to have two gay dads? It is never discussed. It's a little bit more, yes, he has two dads, but we don't want or need to talk too much about it. This should be clear. But what we experience is, again, of course, it's necessary sometimes to say, yes, he has two dads. And it's all right. And why? Because it's... Yeah, Our life is still very normal. and he, But this is something I feel we need to talk about it and we need to show off and we need to say, well, that's our situation. And um, you see there is not so much difference between your life and my life. So, uh, But take care of um, the possible, the possible, Uh, shifts or the, the, the possible differences that exist. And one point is, for example, when it came to, I don't know, yes, Mother's Day or, um, uh, yes, 
Christmas. Then you make these little gifts at school and uh, there are mostly this uh, formatized um, uh, postcards where there is all also written down, yes, for your daddy and for your mommy. And in our cases, of course, it's not the right uh, way to to uh, talk about us. Uh, so it was always nice to see that the teachers, for example, just erased this little mummy and uh, wrote down a little second daddy so that uh, the our children feel safe and feel, um, yes, positively, uh, yes, positively engaged Uh, by 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 teachers around them, so it is, yeah. Well, it's a little bit difficult difficult to uh, to explain. But uh, what I want to say is really that uh, it's good that people try to understand what kind of feelings we might have and where should be some support for rainbow families as well. But I mean, what I hear you say is that it's very much still depending on individuals Absolutely. actually doing doing the right thing rather than policies yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and legislation taking the right steps. And I think in the worst case scenario, the burden is then falling back on the child itself. That's like it. if the teacher is not stepping in, it's actually up to the kid to explain their situation, to kind of defend themselves, which is really not yeah. in the best interest of the child. Definitely. And of course, it depends also on the parents and on their behavior and on their, uh, well, possibility and engagement to say, well, we are here and that's our life. So, of course, there are people who are not so open as like myself, for example. For me, it's no problem to explain myself or my situation, but for others, well, it is perhaps more complicated. And uh, it's true. Yes, we don't have uh, real curricula in school or daycare that provide for rainbow families. And uh, just to take care of the possibility that there are LGBTIQ people in the classes or uh, children of rainbow families. And this is still a, a, yeah, such a big issue also in countries, I guess, that already provide a lot of rights for rainbow families. But this social or societal gap still existing yes and we talk so controversially about those issues to take care of lgbtiq topics in school uh, this is uh, still a very good uh, very very big problem yeah i want to come back to the question of um, medically assisted reproduction techniques because so often we see especially when there are debates around parent um, parentship recognition or or equal marriage that these are brought into the debates as kind of against as saying you know there will be a huge increase in assisted dissemination and surrogacy when actually the reality we see is that these are techniques very often still used by heterosexual couples and, and same-sex couples still fighting for equal access. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the situation across Europe on that? Yes, I think uh, the gap is nearly the same as we already discussed, though a little bit more between West or the Scandinavian countries and then more also the Eastern countries or uh, Southeastern countries. Uh, where it is about LGBTI rights in general. But assisted reproductive techniques, you're right, it's the same issue in, in for heterosexual couples as well. So it's a societal discussion that is not uh, yet 
completely discussed, yes, that all the countries provide in general for assisted reproductive techniques. There are so many questions around those issues. And uh, I understand it in a certain way because it's relatively new, relatively, yes. And uh, um, also the possibilities are growing. The medical approaches are more and more professional, yes. And the problems that arise in general with fertility and uh, societal changes, um, yes, with problems with infertility, they will grow. I'm very sure. And so the questions will be bigger and bigger in the future. And you are, yes, it's true. Um, LGBTIQ people face more problems because it's still what I told you before the question if it's good uh, to have, for example, two lesbian mothers or not. So uh, I guess there is still this reluctance in it to provide those services for same-sex couples or for trans people or for, yes, for any other, um, um, yeah, letters of the LGBTIQ um, community. Um, but we see here um, more and more approaches towards a better recognition also for assisted reproductive techniques um, and uh, also the question how we can ensure that, for example, rainbow families are from the beginning protected and the child is also protected. And here it's also, I think, a, a very interesting debate uh, if we have uh, a known donor or an anonymous donor. Um, there are uh, shifts to the question that, well, children should have access to their origins or knowledge about their biological parents. Uh, I know countries, it is, for example, in Spain, there is no question at all about it because um, anonymous donation is, yes, a sort of traditional already. And also rainbow families don't ask themselves too much is, if it should be done with an anonymous donation or a known donor. And other countries, they uh, changed their policies towards um, more recognition of known donors yes to protect children yes it is also about children's rights to to yes to guarantee that they have in a certain sense the right to to uh, to an access to their origins and um, uh, there is also a resolution of the U council of europe uh, from 2019 that said well, we should um, engage more and more in uh, known donor concepts more than into uh, anonymous donor concepts. Um, and there is still a debate on it. And it's still very complicated to make rules. So, um, for example, there are some countries that provide for uh, an automatic co-parent recognition only when the parents provide an access to the donor and if not but i guess that's only for same-sex couples for right same-sex couples yes yeah. and uh, the debate for example in france is also actually very interesting because here you say well lesbian couples should be in a certain sense forced to reveal the origin of the sperm donor but then 
the question ar ar arise that yes, but what is about different sex couple when when they have uh, assisted reproductive techniques when you should do it equally, then those couples need also provide the origins. But that was uh, in the debate very quickly erased from from the bill. Of course not. Yes, we can't do that for different sex couples. So here, I, I don't know why, but perhaps this is also this slide. Well, we are not sure if it's so good for lesbian couples to become parents. They should at least show that there there is a link to any kind of father. Uh, and this is uh, still, yes, this is still weird. And uh, I, hopefully yeah, we will I get a new, a new approach here. Yeah, I think it's going back to the gut feeling, actually. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's yeah. exactly the, the examples you've been given show, show very well how, yes, on the one hand, there needs to be a societal debate about all these issues. But on the other hand, there are extra hurdles and exclusion for same-sex couples and for single um, parents actually very often still as well, for trans parents as well, um, to actually equally access the techniques that are already available without too many questions for heterosexual couples. Um, we need to come to an end in this conversation, but I, I want to ask you um, at the end, kind of looking forward, like what's the one breakthrough you would you would see um you know what's the one wish you would have where you say that that would really make a big difference for families across europe if 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 you know on a political level that would be a clear statement and is it a decision taken of course always to have in mind that there are children and that these children need the best protection they could get And this is, of course, about all the things we already discussed. It's uh, the proper um, legislation of a recognition of the familial ties between children and also their non-biological parents. And one of these questions that arises in some countries, not so much in all countries, I have to state, perhaps it's also about the level of where stand LGBTIQ questions in general. But for many countries, it's also now the question to provide a possibility of multi-parenting, for example. Yes, to uh, we see um, a trend that, for example, single persons come together with a couple, same-sex couple, for example, or two couples of the same sex come together and want to create a family and want to build up a family, but we don't have any provisions, any tools and any instruments legally to protect these families and to to and we see in those relationships that there are a lot of problems because of the non-recognition of at least one or two parents who are involved in parenting. Yes, they are on an everyday basis there for the children and they should be protected. And so hopefully we had these um, things in the Netherlands. There are discussions in Finland. There are also discussions in other countries, but not on that level. And I hope that this will help also for all the other things we mentioned, that yeah, the approach is not, well, we want to keep this traditional picture of families, but we want to protect uh, well the functional family is yes, who is really there for the children 
And when it's the grandmother, yes, then she sh should have a little bit more rights of protection and uh, uh, and legal rights to the child. And the same is for same-sex parents or trans parents, that they can provide the very best, the, the love and care and responsibility they can give. Uh, and this should be not only protected, this should be really supported by governments and stakeholders. And uh, this is, I think, the most important point for the future Yes, really to see that there are needs of a child that have to be protected and recognized. Yeah, and I think that would just also much more recognize the reality in our societies actually today. And there's a, I see a huge coalition between rainbow families, but it's also for, for single parents, for patchwork families. As you say, there's so many different family models in our society. And if we really want to recognize families in all their diversities, I think that's, that's really where we need to go. Um, thank you very much for your work for Nelfa, but also for this conversation today. And, um, talk to you very soon I thank, thank you, you bye you have been listening to The Frontline ILGA Europe's LGBTI activism podcast please subscribe like or comment wherever you listen to our podcasts and tune in next time when we'll be traveling further on the front lines of LGBTI activism in Europe and Central Asia bye for now